Okay. Well, alright. It's, uh, it's that time again. We, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, we have, we have been through some stuff trying to pull these together that we're not going to bore you all with, but this is, let's just say we're working through it right now. Yeah, we're working hard for you guys to get some uh, great shit coming. <laughs> yeah. We've got some great shit coming, fix our own lives, fix our community. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, let's see here. We're gonna we're gonna take you through our new uh, straight up news dumps. We're gonna walk you through whatever the fuck is on AV Club, yep. Deadline slash film, yep. whatever bullshit, whatever trough you feed at. The, the way we decide what we should do more, I think, is I think it's important to let people know because we get a lot of fan mail, and whichever fan mail includes the most nudes. Um, obviously our biggest fans, we got a really, you know, borderline troubling amount of, uh, of salacious pictures and praise, uh, for the news segment that we do at the beginning of each episode. So we thought, you know what, we'll give the people what they want and we'll do these short little episodes in between these ones we're talking about working so hard on, uh, to give, to give you guys what you really want. So here it is. And let me just, uh. For in, in regards to the nudes, just a reminder, dudes, you send a will. Ladies, you send a will. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That's just right. So well, everyone, everyone can send to me. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's a little preview of uh, me getting called to task next week on my, uh, <laughs> my backwards mentalities. <laughs> um, speaking of backwards mentalities, just a little home, home cleaning here. Um, not home cleaning. What's the word? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. A little housekeeping. Um, just when you thought it was safe to go back to movie theaters, it it is, but you have to wear a mask again. Yep. We're have we're currently embroiled in a uh, fight between our old pal, police fraternal order police union chief John Cotanzara and Lori Lightfoot. Um, we were just talking about the movie Siege, aka Self Defense. Yeah. Do you think that the police strike is coming to Chicago? No. They're, but they're not going to get, they will not get vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's fine with me. They can all, you know, I mean, it's some Darwin Award shit, right? I know it's mean. It's a little bit nihilistic, but it's some Darwin Award shit. That's how I feel about all of it. People don't want to do it. Don't do it. I don't give a shit. I mean, I won't be making out with any cops anytime soon all these dirty unvaccinated folks um can't yeah. back the blue no. yep can we can our first news item be one that ties directly in with it i've got it pulled up do you want to read uh, the headline so, yeah so uh the headline of this one god which is just further proof that there's no such thing as satire anymore irony is dead we live in a painfully straightforward world because nothing makes sense anyway with that said sean penn would prefer it, if unvaccinated people don't even see his movies. <laughs> and then the uh, right under, Sean Penn would hypothetically be okay with unvaccinated people streaming his movies, even if they want to at this point. So yeah, pretty pretty special stuff. He's talking about Flag Day. His uh, latest yeah. directorial effort starring his daughter this time. It's um, the only person who would be in it. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, it's pretty. I don't. I don't know. This is just 
Well, like one, he thinks there's going to be like some mad rush. Yeah, I mean, well, let's just take a second here to walk us through the directorial, uh, recent directorial career of one Sean Penn. Um, yeah. I just want to pull up because I I caught a little of his last film he did. And I would just like to, it was so good that I forgot the name of it. <laughs> and I just want to find, yeah, here it is. The Last Face from 2016. Oh, I never you know? saw that one. Oh, you didn't? Well, um, here's, the, here's the plot line for those who don't know. In the midst of African social horror, a love between two volunteers fades out <laughs> and is reborn again. Wow. Uh, starring Charlize Theron, Javier Bardem, and uh, a bunch of other people I've never heard of. This wow. is a great movie that features a scene showing the plight of the poor African community during a thunderstorm, a uh, cross-cut Griffith style with uh, Charlize Theron getting pounded by Javier Bardem. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Pretty hot. And I'm trying right. to think what else. There's like it's been so long, but it's it's I don't think he ever released the movie. <laughs> so I think I've seen all the other things he directed. The one that came to my mind when I saw this quote, did you ever see that fucking anthology movie called September Eleven? <laughs> yes, I did. Which like truly does have you know, Shohei Mamura's segment is pretty fucking dope. Yeah, and there there are some good stuff in there, but <clears throat> anyway, Sean Penn's segment. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. I don't. Ooh, it's the most painful, like, dumbass little film school movie ever. It's this, like, old couple living in an apartment that uh, is close to the Twin Towers, but they don't notice. But there's a lot of shots of slow motion water going over hands. And then guess what? The shadow of the towers literally comes through their window, but then it falls. <laughs> it's pretty amazing so anyway you know what we're saying is go see sean penn's new movie only if you're vaccinated though he has truly the mind of a child and yeah or like um like a freshman in college you know that i think is the perfect way to put it because it's the weird or actually maybe a sophomore because he's he's really cocksure. Just his like very um, simplistic understanding of the world, I, I do find beautiful. I mean, it's like um, it's like I am Sam was kind of a documentary <laughs> of the guy. I, I must say that what I find interesting about this article is how he it seems to be completely in bed for the move. Like it doesn't seem to be an issue of like vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people because he's like pay for it streaming but if you're in the theater i would prefer you not because it's like are you concerned about theater goers or are you concerned about that little the moolah much like um our friend scarjo who is <laughs> suing disney and um at quote the variety article or vulture or whatever the fuck they did giving zero fucks yeah Giving zero fucks. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we need even go on that one. I just think that's the stupidest like headline. It's just again a highlight of why it's good to further and further remove from the world of social media. The way I heard about it was I saw someone lambasting men on the internet for not supporting ScarJo and her endeavor, 
Just you, Desmond. I love that. If that's the pinnacle, like if that, if that's what we're for millionaires, like suing a billionaire company. <laughs> great. I'm so glad you can get your extra couple million dollars, Scarjo. You're saving the fucking world. Well, it proves these Marvel fans just get on anything. I mean, yeah. they're the best marks ever created by culture. So yeah. it makes it easy. Uh, so I don't even want to talk about Marvel or Disney. We have to be, I hate those. I just what a what a suck on the world. Yep. We did we did mention 9-11 though. Um, which brings us to um, Spike Lee and a documentary that he is making about 9-11 that apparently he's recutting because he had uh, a scene where he brought some like truthers on to like talk about it. And uh, I haven't seen that cut yet. So I, I don't know what was exactly said. I'm sure there obviously are some like wing nuts out there, but like, sure. let's, let's cut the, let's cut the bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying we there's clearly more that needs to be known about it a lot and I could go into it but I'm not going to so you don't need to that's not what we're here for to go into our opinions on that but Spike Lee quote had questions he had questions and he was apparently based and now he's not because he's going back to the editing room maybe maybe if we're lucky this will be like a, a watershed moment for Spike Lee, and then he'll stop loving cops also. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine a documentary out there that's going to break any new grounds in terms of information. I mean, like, did you see that, like, Epstein doc that came out on Netflix? Like, I think it was, like, last year, and it's just, like, it's just such a puff piece, and it's, like, okay, cool. Like, there's (laughs) nothing that people who know about this. So, like... (laughs) I can't imagine that whatever happens is going to be that life-changing or, like... No. It's not going to, like, bullshit off something. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. And honestly, I don't know if Spike's the smartest dude that... Or at least he's not the dude that he used to be. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll be surprised. I doubt it, but that would be cool. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. I like to be surprised. I'm curious how that and the Oliver Stone JFK sequel documentary dovetail. I mean, it'd be cool to like actually see in those documentaries things, you know, I've read about in books, but like, I just don't hold out high hope, but who knows? No one cares. The, 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 you know, the billionaires that be will still write the history how they choose to. I don't know. I'm not worried about it. (laughs) Whatever. I'm not, that's too, uh, that's a little, you know, a little too much nectar for my little buzzing bee body. So we're going to move <laughs> on. Let's see. What else do we... Now, there's one article I do want to... Here, let's see this. Let's just go down the list. AV Club. Zooey Descanel and John Hamm will play a scandalous Hollywood couple in a new narrative podcast. Yeah. So radio's back, really. Well, I better be. I mean, for our sake. But... <laughs> uh, yep. Okay, so she's playing uh, Joan Bennett. Yep. And he's playing Walter Wanger. Mm-hmm. Is there some untold story here that you know about? I mean, I don't. No, I don't think so. I just honestly thought it was funny. Okay. Also, yeah. I couldn't. I mean, don't. I mean, the opening of the, the way they start. Zoe Deschanel better get to working on her fifties femme fatale voice for her next role. 
Jesus, first of all. She's in a yeah. lot of the great film. She played a lot of the classic <laughs> film fatale characters. Um, she, yeah, she uh, starred opposite Robert Mitchum out of the past. I mean, she was so sultry as the film fatale in that one. Um, what can but, you know? It, people who still care about Zoe, if you are out there, I guess now you can just pipe her straight into your ears. You that's know, what you want. So she makes You're, another uh, whatever they call it. Uh, Starbucks folk album. Well, fingers <laughs> crossed. I mean, I get most of my music next to the biscotti section. So, <laughs> listen, if you've run out of new Ted Lasso to watch, um, <laughs> I guess there's uh, there's that. So we also have oh Lily oh I, I didn't even know this Lily yeah. Wachowski is not in the Matrix Resurrections. No, she said she wasn't interested. Oh, she's not I interested. Yeah, the quote is, there was something about the idea of going backwards and being a part of something I had done before that was expressly unappealing. Well, good for her for not... Yeah, I can just love it. Like, sorry, sis. And I'll probably cut this because no one except me and maybe you will find it <laughs> funny, true. but um, it's about a woman, a woman named Abby. I'll read it if you don't want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, you go ahead. Will. Tell us about... Um, what's the description <laughs> of her new show? So the new Matrix will be a, a strictly uh, Lana Wachowski joint. But what Lily was interested in is working on a series for Showtime um, called Work in Progress. And uh, the AV Club graciously provided, it's in quotes, so I suspect this is Lily's own description uh, of the show. But it says, the comedy follows a woman named Abby, who is a 46-year-old, in quotes, self-identified fat queer dyke whose misfortune and despair unexpectedly lead her to a vibrantly transformative relationship. Um, I'll be, I mean, I'll be honest, that sounds pretty uninteresting, but I've been surprised by things before in my life. It just, what a, like, what a bummer of a description. That's a really bad description. From, yeah, from what I gather, this 46-year-old lesbian just has a really shitty life, but it makes her like have a revelation or some shit you know uh if if that was the story she wanted to tell instead of uh yeah. the matrix and more power to her i mean again it, respect it, to anybody who truly is like you know what i'm not gonna go back to this and make another billion dollars yeah respect it. yeah exactly respect to someone who's not gonna do something for a million dollars however much money she was gonna get and instead make something that sounds so uninteresting and unappealing yep. so Good for her. Um, <laughs> I hope that was a good choice. Let's see. Um, okay, here's the order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The One Perfect Shot series. So there's a oh, new yeah. show coming out on HBO Max called One Perfect Shot. And all you Twitter users probably recall uh, One Perfect Shot as the incredibly middling uh, Twitter account that post shots from like fight club where it's like there's a lot of like contrast and like they'll be like isn't this a perfect shot and then occasionally you know they'll pop into like you know the bed star child scene from 2001 it's it's like is that really all it is i've never seen this before yeah basically i mean it's like yeah it's it's Twitter has become the new film school for dummies, I think. And well, because Tumblr died pretty much. So yeah. I guess they that's where they migrated. 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, this is where you, Twitter is where you can go to hear takes about like how I saw one this morning. And a lot of people got, you know, all angered over it because some nobody person was like, the Godfather is actually kind of boring. And if anyone actually likes it in uh, they're actually pretending. And honestly, I think since the seventies, we've only got better at telling narratives, which I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's an old mode of storytelling displayed in The Godfather. I'm ready for this new stuff. You know, move me around. Let me see Ryan Reynolds in a video game. Okay. Anyway, for people like that. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, feel free to look it up. Uh, One Perfect Shot will now be a show where we're going to have everyone's favorite authors like um, uh, Ava DuVernay. And John Chu and um, probably Chloe's out will all <laughs> pop up on there and they're gonna explain why I don't know Selma was influenced by a scene in Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. Oh, we haven't we don't really have a lot of the lineup yet, but I would just say that get ready because this is gonna be a show that finally peels back the curtain and bridges <laughs> the gap between artist and art. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. God damn it. It's one of the, this is the kind of news that I hate because you know me and I compulsively have to watch everything and I'm going to have to really hate watch the shit out of that. I will definitely <laughs> be firing that up while I'm alone in my apartment uh, for the entirety <laughs> of autumn. Just Franco movies you'll be watching. <laughs> while my girlfriend abandons me to Europe, I'll be watching all of One Perfect Shot and I will be listening to every episode of the jeremy piven podcast and we didn't get to talk about this last time or we lost it was one of the lost episodes oh shit that's right yeah um i just want to say what jeremy piven famous actor jeremy piven has a new podcast called how you live in j piven and this is a podcast that we are going to be trying to align ourselves with and (laughs) um I don't know. We'll probably bring you updates of whatever Jeremy Piven is talking about on how you live in J. Piven. Because I'm not, this isn't a visual thing, medium that we're doing right now. He does walk down the stairs in the video advertising it. Big unlit cigar and a robe. And he's like, what's up, guys? I got <laughs> how you live in J. Piven? And I'm going to hang out with Jamie Foxx. Um, anyway, so we have... He hangs out with... Uh... Hangs out with his buddy Mark Cuban, which I'm really hoping he can hook us up with, so we can just flay him. Yeah, my but yeah, uh, sad Mark Cuban missing his his precious Regal Cinemas right now. <laughs> and Landmark, he's fucked it all up. Man. Oh, Landmark, that's yeah. it. He's not yeah, Regal. Landmark. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sucking yeah. bitch. <laughs> that's right. We have a new video game. Coming out, there is now a video game adaptation of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. I mean, the fa- my favorite thing <clears throat> to start is that the announce, like this article is just talking about how it's pushed back yet again to 2022. That was a great thing. <laughs> Not again. When you get uh, continually pushed back. Um, I would say everyone should watch this trailer. It's a good time. Um, but I will just read... <laughs> oh god i'm not a video game person so you know take this with many like a whole ass salt shaker of salt i guess but this sounds pretty awful to me this is their their description for this game 
Vertigo is an original story that will take cues from the film and other Hitchcock works. The story concerns Ed Miller, who survives his car crash down in Brody Canyon, California, unscathed. However, even though no one was found inside the car wreckage, Ed insists that he was traveling with his wife and daughter. Traumatized by this event, he begins to suffer from severe vertigo. As he starts therapy, he will try to uncover what really happened on that day. What the fuck? How is this a game, though? Are you in well, therapy? You just like answer the therapy questions and it's then it's like, like your own adventure? Listen, <laughs> as someone who plays a lot of video games, someone who plays five rounds of Call of Duty Warzone before we start, get yourself <laughs> in the mindset. This is what is called an RPG. I just don't do like start being like, okay, so actually it's called an RPG, Will, and it's a that stands for role playing game. I don't know. I mean, I think like inter- like if you're gonna adapt one movie to a video game, it's gotta be Vertigo. And um, I just I- I'm curious how the story ties into other. Hitchcock movies, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. That'll be fun for. I hope it's mostly Mr. Mrs. Smith and like Topaz that are the other tie-ins. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hope oh. we get. I hope we get to go to the actual Jamaican Inn in this one. <laughs> I think we're doing great. Oh. Okay, let's just cool. finish. Let's... Yeah. Do you wanna? You wanna lead us into the the um the China one? Yeah. Since uh. What is it, 96 or 97? I forget. Apologize to 96, or I'm pretty sure 97, when Hong Kong came back under the rule of China. 97, uh, yeah. Yeah, shit got um, intense Im- immediately, despite the promises that uh, none of these things would happen, no censorship would happen, no uh, horrific things we've seen with protests and arresting people would happen, all of that. It all has, and it's continued to get worse with, you know, stamp of approval from everyone's favorite Jackie Chan. Um, But Hong Kong now um, is proposed a film censorship law to safeguard national security, really ramping up. Again, not that it wasn't already there. It was hard to show a lot of movies in Hong Kong already, and especially their own movies. But anything from around the world that they didn't agree with, they would either cut down or just ban out and out. Um, But it is getting getting, uh, even more extreme as they a lot of what they seem to attribute it to is their how do they word it um yeah i mean just basically going against any of the pro-democracy protests it's to protect um, national security yeah or yeah. acts or activities which might endorse support glorify encourage and incite such activities that might endanger national security which is some wild double speak shit from like to well to keep people confused enough to not <laughs> fully realize what's happening as they try to pretend they're out for anyone's best interests and it's Pretty fucking wild. Now we're up to yeah. anyone that violates these laws, which could be either making or showing or anything, any art that they think um, is a problem. The uh, let's see, they say it's about one hundred twenty nine thousand U.S. dollars fine for that. I imagine it will be much worse than that, as again, Hong Kong has showed with like true ass violence and people disappearing. And, you know, I don't think it will be simple fines, unfortunately, if someone actually pisses them off but uh no they won't be heard from again yeah um yeah i mean and a lot of this does i think have to do with just their like forever problem with taiwan (laughs) that problem they have with taiwan um yeah i guess like a 
a documentary about like gay marriage in Taiwan that's probably not even that good. The only reason we're talking about that is so we can continue our arms sales to Taiwan. That's our only vested interest in that uh, canal way. So this is all just some political theater in terms of like us and the in the U.S. But, but yeah, like you said, this has been going on for a while, and I know we plan to do something on Chinese censorship laws and sort of the history of China and cinema with the U.S. But like, this is the writing's been on the wall. It's not like things have been free and easy over in China,、uh, especially if you're Muslim. They do what we do, except they do it this way, and we do it with Marvel and Disney. Everything has to be scrubbed clean. You know, it has to resemble a, a really white New York loft. Yep. And just a, I would say one good last thing on this: as as Hong Kong cinema continues to get more and more popular, as it should, I'm hearing tons of people who I've never heard worry about it before. You know, tech, talking about. Troy Hawk movies or Ringo Lam movies or you know I mean any any of the heavy hitters、um, which is awesome and we are always excited that more people are checking out Hong Kong horror and all these action movies and all that stuff but you know just also also dig into the shit these people are dealing with well we yes celebrate their movies but you know lest we forget as they say what these people are actually going through who made these movies then and are still trying to do it now yeah. You know? I'm I'm safe to say I don't think Wong Bing's gonna get his next movie premiered and cinemas over there. Hate to see China go this way, you know. Just shocks me. Yeah, just no shocks one's tired coming. Which brings us, let's、uh, we'll take it anyway. <laughs> slower mode here,、uh, and we're gonna take it back a little bit, and we're gonna do. And I don't want to do this with everything, but I think like this one. Is the perfect example of where you you just kind of have to read through this article. Yeah. So I'm going to run us through it. It's thankfully it's from Variety, so it's short.、Um, this comes to us by someone named Lily Morieri. This the title is trailers use slower and moodier new versions of classic songs to lure viewers. Now, I you might be wondering, this sounds familiar. I've been at the movies before. I've heard, you know, I saw the Social Network trailer, which is not name checked in here at all. I saw, I heard, you know, I started a joke in the、uh, the Suicide Squad, and that sounded a little slowed down for dramatic effect. Well, if you've noticed this, then this article is going to highlight、um, and sort of dig deep into this new phenomenon. <laughs> let me just let's 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 kick it off here. The higher the intensity of a trailer, the slower. The song that accompanies it. This may seem fairly recent as a reliable rule, but it's not a completely new phenomenon. <laughs> not completely new. What goes back at least to the 2001 trailer for the first iteration of Xbox 360's Gears of War, where yeah, there's a、uh, the Gary Jewel's Mad World <laughs> cover of Gears of Gears. That's where it showed. That's where it showed up. Was、uh, I love that she also says Gary Jewel's delivering a heart-ripping cover of Tears for Fears, Mad World, and I certainly remember it from the Gears of War trailer. I don't、yes. recall it in the movie that came out around <laughs> that time, but that game specifically. <laughs> okay, going on with the article. More recent examples of the trend include someone named Fajora, 
echoey take on four non blondes what's up <laughs> in the terrifying trailer for welcome to the bloom house lana del way donna del boy well, i'm sounding real smooth over here lana del rey's creepy version of once upon a dream from the classic disney animated film sleeping beauty for uh maleficent we, how can we forget? And then the one I brought up, uh, Becky Hansen's operatic interpretation of I Started a Joke by the Bee Gees in the, quote, dark trailer for 2016 Suicide Squad. All have shown that the formula keeps viewers buying movie tickets and streaming services ticking. So this is important to underline. This is the smooth lubricant that is keeping the gears of cinema and its viewers constantly moving. It's what I call the old comfortable shoe phenomenon. Says John <laughs> McHugh, a music supervisor, director, and founding member of the Guild of Music Supervisors. You give people something familiar, like Destiny's Child Say My Name in the new Candyman, and all of a sudden, they're more engaged in the content and predisposed to enjoy what they're watching because they love the song. And now, I mean, first off, I didn't, I was so unaware that this was happening with <laughs> movies, right? Like, did you notice this at all going on in trailers? Literally the only time that I think I've ever thought about it enough for it to stick was until Mank came out, what was previously David Fincher's worst movie, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I remember that fucking trailer with the goddamn slowed down um, immigrant song, Led Zeppelin. I remember that with uh, Numi, Re, Re, however you say her last name. Is it Rapace? Rapace? I honestly don't know. <laughs> when she's like riding that fucking motorcycle. Uh, I Wait, remember. That wasn't, that. No, that wasn't Numi. Come on, dog. That was. Uh, <laughs> what? That's the. That's Mooney. Mooney. Rumi. Rumi. Marna. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry to all the 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 ooh names out there i get y'all crossed out sometimes the, du- the double o's of the world <laughs> yeah this is Rumi narna Manary riding a motorcycle in in girls with dragon hats <laughs> yeah the girl with the spider tattoo <laughs> anyway i remember that that one yeah. I remember thinking that was stupid. But anyway, that's the last time I've thought about this. I will say. <laughs> I did it myself, though. I will admit I did it when I cut a trailer for fucking Dress to Kill for a music box screening like two and a half years back where I used, uh, I think I slowed down a Marvin Gaye song. <laughs> yep, so I guess, I guess it was sinking into me without even realizing it because I knew my thought was, I was like, you know what will get people to watch Dress to Kill, that old comfortable shoe phenomenon. Yep, that's right. But you needed needed a tested market. Yeah, you needed a market tested technique to to deliver that. And really this is just parallel minds thinking. Um, Yeah, I shall pat myself on the back for, even though I don't get paid as much as Jonathan McHugh, a music supervisor director and founding member of the guild of music of supervisors does i think like him so you do think like him <laughs> now we're going to go on to another head in the article brian monaco president and global chief marketing officer at sony music publishing he has this to say it's called trailerizing a song 
Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. There's a lot happening in what he just said. So I'm going to, he thankfully breaks it down. This means changing every aspect of the song, but leaving the lyrics. People know the lyrics. The goal (laughs) is to catch people's attention. Okay. Maybe they're not paying as much attention to the trailer and they start to hear the chorus of the song and they go, wait, I know this song. So they start paying attention and now they're watching the trailer. This is why you have people like Brian something uh, who are global marketing chief officers. (laughs) This is why these positions were created. Because I'm glad he's an officer too. Yeah, he's he's patrolling. What the fuck is a global chief marketing officer? Why does Sony Music have an officer? He's showing us his badge in this article and he's saying, you better fucking bite on this, bitch, because I'm about to explain this shit to you. Okay, well, he's still in the article here. Um, At Sony and in his four times a year writing camps, his four (laughs) times a year writing camps. Well, let's sign up. uh, Yes. Monaco has teams of writers... working on reimagined versions of Legendary's artist catalogs. This guy has a, a hive network set up like, like that scene in the crowd, just people at desks, like figuring out which songs to slow down and which Spotify artists to give those <laughs> lyrics to. Um, I also love that he, don't, he won't even just say it. <clears throat> like he doesn't just say... They're fucking slowing a song down. Changing every aspect of the song, but leaving the lyrics. No, you just slowed it down. Would you let this guy just have his job? He's trying to have his job right now, and you're trying to explain him out of it. Tab extends to officers of music. Listen, you're going to shut up in a second when I start reading his, uh, his CV here. He has entirely reworked ELO's discography. Okay, check. He's redone a large portions of the Beatles songs, check, and now is tackling Paul Simon's newly acquired hefty songbook. All right, he's brilliant. I'll eat my words. Thank you. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm imagining an A24 stripper thriller coming out, (laughs) and there's a slow version of Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Either way, I, this, I can't come up with this. this but it has two. It opens with that. And that's right. We're doing the like the sexy stuff in the club. Everything's good. And then we have the drop in the middle where we get some dialogue and we realize that, oh, shit, is she in over her head? And then the slow version of happiness as a warm gun starts. I bet yeah. that's not been used in anything yet. <laughs> that would rock. I hope he does it. Okay, moving on. Monaco says the writing exercise this is, important, <laughs> is beneficial for everyone involved. And this is what he does. It is four times a year boot camp for figuring these things out. He says, uh, well, the article says newer artists performing the covers are getting paid and at a fraction of what the original masters would command, providing they were cleared at all, but still a good payday for their level. So this is That's good. We're, people are getting paid. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. At the same time, these artists gain visibility on high-profile trailers for mass-appeal films. Mass-appeal films. Those are the kind of films that you want to do this for. Yep. Although I'm wondering how mass-appeal they are if apparently you have to remind people that they're watching a movie by throwing in 
you know, all the single ladies slowed down. But <laughs> all the writers, many of whom are or were performing musicians, are also getting paid without having to be concerned about appealing to or, or alienating their fan base. The heritage artists whose songs are being re-recorded are seeing an uptick in their streaming numbers. And of course, the publishing company is reaping the rewards from all of the above, which is what it really comes down to. And I am just happy that, I don't know, Dua Lipa will probably do a cover of um, Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall. Now everyone's getting it, you know? You get Dua Lipa paid and you get you get Bob Dylan paid. I heard I see a lot of men <laughs> being talked about in here. Okay, I don't see people uh, lining up for uh, Joni Mitchell covers here. So, uh-huh. but let's just finish it up because we got one more paragraph. Okay, now this is where he's bringing us back to McHugh. I forgot who that. Let's, let's... Wait, he's not the cop. He's the. He's the McHugh is the guy who <laughs> member of the Guild of Music Supervisors. Yes, okay. that's the music. Yes, thank you, Jonathan <laughs> McHugh, the old comfortable shoe phenomenon. Okay, so he's back, and he says in a two-minute trailer, people are assessing whether or not they want to see the film. Says McHugh, that's true, and that's what's happening when that movie's playing. You are having this back and forth in your mind, like, do I want to see this? I don't know. So it's all about manipulating the emotions of the viewer with music that is provocative while still showing the action and getting the message across. Audiences familiar with a song will remember it and the younger people will say, I discovered this. (laughs) And that's true. As we are, our our history, our understanding of history of art and music and movies, it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say a race, but just moved aside to make, you know, room for whatever is going to be on streaming platforms. This is exactly that. And I'm happy that people are going to feel like they've discovered something and that people are going to hear their old, that old chestnut over the Captain Marvel 2 trailer. And I just, I'm just glad that we finally had someone break this shit down for us. Cause I've, I feel like I have a very different understanding of how movies are marketed. I was confused. Now I'm not. I mean, how do we get into one of these classes? I mean, I don't know if we have the we have the stuff. Well, maybe you don't. Um, <laughs> I'm looking this up right now. Jonathan Mc, McChug. <laughs> what do we want to guess? What twenty grand? One of the classes? Ooh, I'm not seeing this on the internet here. I don't know how this guy is expecting us to sign up for this shit. Wait a minute. Are we about to uncover a scam? It's four times out of the year. How is this uh, variety writer in USC? No. Okay. I think definitively we can say this is a scam. Uh, John. Yeah, you stopped by Oscar, babe. Yeah. We, we just uncovered something. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like in the Thin Blue Line when Errol Morris was making that and he got that guy off death row. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of work for you. That's what we're doing here. And now you can all go blast this guy's uh, social media and yep. say, where, where's the where's the link to sign up for your. OK, well, either this is for the upper class society oh, to be able to take part in. Yeah. Like this is some secret, you know, kind of like one of those like Amazon seminars that they throw for like artists where it's like 
yo, artists need to like chill. So we need Jeff Tweedy and we need Ghislaine Maxwell and we need them to all like chill together and like talk about <laughs> I think that's what this is. Well, if that's what this is, then I'm going on record saying I'm confident there's a Jeffrey Epstein connection. We'll, we'll get into that throughout the rest of this season. But <laughs> yeah, that's a rule I'm of thumb. I'm fucking sure of it. That's a rule of thumb. If you have a if you have a writing seminar or you're a scientist, you probably have a connection with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yep. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, so what that means is the Suicide Squad trailer was made by Jeffrey Epstein. That's how Actually, all that comes back around. That's not that far off, given that Steve Mnuchin did <laughs> produce it. And <laughs> as is in the black book of going to the Epstein Island, so see that's why that's why they're again like their satire is dead, <laughs> irony's dead because it's all just fucking real now. Oh yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> well, we'll leave you with that, I guess. Um, <laughs> good night and good luck. Everybody. Good night and good luck. <laughs>